I love it. Peter. Yeah. We're rocking out in here. Yeah, right. You ready for the party to begin? I am. I know. I know. So I just, I was just telling you, I, I just taught, I just taught three classes in a row and I was pretty much acting drunk without the alcohol in the, in the last class when you, when you do three hour, when you do uh yeah, the equivalent of a four hour lecture by the end. Dude. Yeah. It's like, it's like, um, it's a free high. Just it is a free high. Teach, teach, teach three classes and you're ready to go. I experienced um, it very natural. That's why I took up running. Um, yeah, it was, it was a winter. It was a winter. I think it was two yeah. winters ago. I, um, I was, it was like negative 16 with a wind. No, it was net wind chill of negative 16. It was a temperature was like negative two. And I went out and I felt, oh gosh, it was awful. And I felt all the cold. And then, um, and I, after about 25 minutes, I, I've never felt this, like this huge, warm, soothing, like, thing inside my body like basically my my body warming up and it felt like my whole body was just being cleansed and it was like my lungs yeah. were like it was amazing it was after about 20 minutes if anybody is listening was like knows what i knows what i mean if you live in a cold environment when you're running and it was the best natural high i've ever had hands down wow yeah okay. it's, like, it's it's pretty awesome so yeah right I've now it's just lecturing for too long natural <laughs> or unnatural or <laughs> Uh, okay, well, I, so yeah. hey, yeah. Welcome to Sound Engagement. We thought we'd do the mm. intro music again. You know, bring that back for good time's yeah. sake, for old yeah, time's sake. I know you were all longing <laughs> for that. Yes. Yeah, I had so many complaints last time. <clears throat> Where's uh, the intro music? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone's getting upset with us, and we're getting all these emails and text messages just bombarded. So there you go. You got it back. You got it back. You're welcome. Um. um so we are in the middle of part three, discussing yes. part three of the boy crisis. <clears throat> and I know we, we kind of jumped around because we spent a lot of time on the glint in your father's eye, your dad's mm. eye. Yeah. And that was, I, I thought, good. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, go back and watch the previous episode or listen to it on your podcast. Um, but it that helps lead into what we're going to talk about in the next few chapters, which um, I wanted to go back a little bit. We were, we were bouncing around, but the sec or chapter nine is called the hero paradox that we learn to value, hmm. value yourself by not valuing yourself, which, you know, it's an interesting subtitle. Hmm. Um, but we had talked about how just the, the ideas of um, kind of, being a, a man and, and the goals of manhood or, or, or just your finding your purpose were usually associated with work and war in previous generations. And now, yeah. They're, yeah. now they're moving into basically like just being replaced with nothing because mm. we're not needed as much at work and we're not needed as much at war. So men are finding their self, themselves without a purpose. Um, and so now we have this hero paradox because the same, the same kinds of things that would have made a hero previously are still, are still kind of held up as, as a standard or at least as a goal for men. And, and he even brings up Bonnie Tyler's song, Holding Out for a Hero. You know that, Peter? Oh, yeah. I know it very well. Yeah. Can you sing that for us? Just a couple God lines. Is strong and he's got to be great and he's got to be nice. Yeah, close. He's got to be strong. He's got to be fast. Yes. He's got to be strong. 
Oh man, and the and the yeah the eighties eighties uh, video was even great. You know, oh, it's hair beautiful. And, uh, yes, and lots um, of hair. And I, then, I, I, had a, I had a I had somebody today. They said um, she called somebody a teeny bopper, and she, and somebody corrected her, and she said, "Oh, that's a sexual term." And she was kind oh, of feeling guilty as a client. I was like, "Actually, no, teeny bopper." In the eighties and nineties, it was a girl yeah. with like you know um, yeah. hairspray hair. It's not not a sexual innuendo at all. So my my person, the person I was talking to, she felt a lot better. So yeah, oh, the teen bopper, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, she definitely had the hair. Bonnie Tyler, I mean, the only, well, I'll get oh, through the yeah. next song, but the other song I love by her is probably my favorite 80s song, Totally Eclipse of the Heart. I mean. Oh, gosh, not, yeah. And that video, if you've never seen, you got to look up the literal video of Totally Eclipse of the Heart. It's, like, type that in, Totally Eclipse of the Heart, literal version. And it's it's like a remake of the lyric. They rewrite the lyrics based on what is happening in the video, which is just like <laughs> dancing people and curtains flowing in the wind and balls hanging from the ceiling. It's just random stuff, all dramatically, you know, cinematically shot and mm. uh, and dramatic for the for the video. But she she's <laughs> she's got away with uh she's got some pretty popular songs. So, anyways, this one, holding out for a hero. You got to be strong, fast, and fresh from the fight mm. that's the idea so you're it's it there's this sense of men who want to get the princess who want to win the girl mm. have to be these things right you to prove yourself you have to prove yourself stronger than your peers faster than them and um i you know i i think in and I think it's probably in a variety of relationships too. I think the the nice oh, thing sure. about the book is it isn't just like sexual relationships or intimacy. I mean, I think it's a men. Maybe we can apply that in oh, a yeah. lot of a lot of fields. You know, it's like what, what your purpose is, and you know, it's as a pastor, as a therapist, as a professor, as a you know guy that's working in IT and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe that's generally, true. yeah, sure. So, <laughs> in the, um, I, I wonder if the idea. If those ideas, I mean, I think they are still heroic, but they are kind mm. of trans, like turning into other things. I mean, now that you've got so much um, addiction to technology, there's TikTok and there's these like dancing has become a big thing, right? Like dance mm. videos. And um, have you ever heard of the gritty? No. I, mean, I think if you want to define the boy crisis in like one word, mm. it's gritty. It's the great. Huh. I mean, this is like, <laughs> this is just really, it started off with a Ju Justin Jefferson, a Minnesota Vikings wide receiver. Oh yeah. He does, he does his little, um, hmm. his little touchdown celebration after. Oh, you know, okay. And, and it's where you're, he's like skipping along and, and throwing his hands back and then putting them before his eyes. Oh, I think I've seen you, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you've yeah. been in any line, you've seen little boys doing that sure. or you've yeah. been to a amusement park or a movie theater, you see them, they pretty much do that everywhere. And it's become this thing. Like there's even a TikTok video where these group of girls are judging the boys doing the gritty side mm. by side and trying to determine who's better. So now it's like, you got to be funny. You got to do the gritty well. And you got to, you know, it's like, it's no longer, it's no longer fighting. There's a and, lot of um, conditions. Yeah, right, right. But <laughs> Sorry, yeah. just kind of, uh, just playing off of that. But I do think there has been, I mean, that was, I can think about one of the defining moments of our generation would have been 9-11 back in 2001 now. So 22 years ago. And, um, what was heroic back then, 
you know, it was what kids who were like in elementary school, who like spent the whole day at school watching those fire firefighters run into the building, um, even some police officers. But I mean, mostly firefighters were heroic in that moment. And they had a, a huge uptake of people volunteering, you know, wanting to be firemen, wanting uh, even volunteering to be firemen. And I think it's it's like 99% of the first responders on 9-11 were males, you know, were men. So uh, that image of just becoming the hero for the nation, um, it really obviously raises the interest of boys who want to want to be that. So what's changed now is you, you have just that, that purpose has become less. In fact, you, you, in terms of the police force, what do you have the opposite taking place? It's been so demonized by critical theory and, you know, uh, black lives matter that it's become just a blight. Like you don't want to do it. No one wants to do it. Right. Um, so again, another purpose void, it's not mm-hmm. heroic to be a police officer to fight crime. Um, right. It's not heroic to go to war. That's actually, you're probably going to come back the opposite of a hero. You know, mm-hmm. come back as a discouraged vet who can't find work. Right. And it's really sad, but I, you know, I wonder, the book kind of suggests, I want to hear your thoughts because I want to question this. The book suggests mm-hmm. that these heroic traits were kind of learned by our environment, by work, and they work against us in terms of being a husband and a father. So the idea of being a hero at war and work, work against you as a compassionate father, as a compassionate husband. And we, we mentioned that yeah. a little bit last time, but I just wonder, I think I think the goal would be to, broaden your perspective of what the hero is and not, not simply eliminate those things. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, no. And I do think a lot of this is situational. In fact, one of the things I was teaching in psychology today, I mean, you know, when, when uh, William James uh, noticed that he believed in natural selection and that people really change according to their environment. And that really kind of spoke to me. And it's funny because actually 9-11 was brought up and you know, I, I remember it and it was very vivid. And um, based on your, we, we're, we're much more prone to adaptation in the sense of like, when we see something like that, we'll quickly adapt to that environment. You see what's going on in Ukraine, you know, I mean, we're sending guns. Those young kids are dying in, in Russia and, in, you know, Ukraine and Russia, both of those kids are, you know, um, I think there's probably other parts of the country where a lot of these young men, um, you know, what's his name? My favorite UFC fighter, not, not my favorite, but I mean, Khabib, um, who's retired now I and mean, yeah. he, where he grew up in, gosh, in, I, uh, Kazakhstan or something. I mean, he was wrestling. Kazakhstan. Bears. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he was wrestling bears at what, like eight, you know, and, and, um, he talks about like, that's, that's, and they asked him, you know, is that, were you pretty unique? And he was, he was like, no, we all did <laughs> just wow. kind of what you did. And, you know, and you, I think there are dirt, there's, there are vestiges of that, but I, I think it only primarily comes in the time of war, which likely will happen again. I mean, I don't think we're going to have world peace for the next foreseeable, like for the next 300 years. Um, 
And what was what was interesting is that he even the book brought up like in Japan when there was rapid peace for over 350, 400 years. That's when you started seeing a lot of crossover quite a bit. It wasn't necessarily good for that culture. They lost um, men, lost their sense of identity. There was a lot more of a transgender movement, even in the 1700s. Not so much of the same like, you know, where they're um, uh, not like body parts, something like that. There was no surgeries. But women, you know, cross-dressing was significantly much more popular then. And then when war came um, in the early 1900s, uh, that completely went away. Um, and, you know, you you kind of got your concern back. You went to kind of your traditional roots, which is very interesting. Um, I'm not an evolutionary psychologist by any means. I mean, um, but I do think there's points of evolution that you could learn from without throwing, you know, everything out as if it's untrue. And what it looks at, especially with psychology is how people adapt in those environments pretty quickly and they go back to their biological makeup. And so I suppose the question is, how do we, if we have an ingrained, you know, desire to, to serve and protect, for example, I was just listening to Candace Owens, just, I, just for fun. I don't listen to her a whole lot, but she was talking about her grandfather and like she believed I was, I was curious about this episode because she, her, her interpretation was that, Therapy has ruined men. That's actually why I wanted to listen. I just wanted to see what she said. And she actually brought up some interesting points. And she brought up like Prince Harry or whatever his name is and like how he's doing all this therapy. And now he's just, yeah, it's just, he's, and, and she talked about how some of the people that she once knew, um, her sister, for example, a lot of guys that she once knew that were very attractive or, you know, very fun to be around. They got so quote in touch with their feelings. They became pretty unbearable. Um, but her point was that her grandfather didn't cry at the mother's funeral. He just kind of bore through it. And she said, you know, one of the things I found attractive is men that just fight it, you know, and they, mm-hmm. they there's, there's, there's an attractiveness to me. Um, and I think that's goes in me. And, and so that goes into the catch 22 because they have been, they have done a lot of surveys on how, what women are sexually attracted to. They just did one a few years ago and met many of the, the subjects were, feminist left-wing heterosexual women and all of them were basically turned on by vampires werewolves marlon brando and mobsters it's like like, and then they and then they watched a video of like a guy that's always listening he's very sweet he's vulnerable and there was like they, they did brain scans on these women that are like very pro women's rights men need to listen they need to be vulnerable the part of their brain that was sexually attracted was was non-existent. Wow. Even though they were saying, this is what I want. But when they were watching like Marlon Brando and Streetcar Named Desire, you know, <laughs> or whatnot, <laughs> even though that was antithetical to what they really wanted, they couldn't lie to the results. There's bio, and that's the thing with biopsychology. It's a really form of discipline because it you can't lie with biopsychology. You yeah. can't, you can't, you can't manipulate the variable, excuse me, you can't re- manipulate the results. Because at the end of the day, the brain scan says this is what you're sexually attracted to. Um, if the if the brain scan if the blood alcohol level says your BAL is 280, regardless, you were drunk. It doesn't matter if right. you felt like it or didn't feel like it. You were drunk. So that's right. biopsychology. That's how it measures things. And that's that study was under that um, field. And so um, not field, but you, you get what I'm saying. So I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so that's the catch twenty two. So it, it's very much yeah. a catch twenty two. Yeah. There you go. The, the author basically is arguing that that's, that needs to change, that women need to just change their instincts. 
and or that men need to change their instincts because I think that's the other part of yeah. it is we mm. do instinctually prioritize that ourselves, right? We want to provide and protect. And so mm. for us to just sort of say, well, we're going to change our instincts, it's just not that simple. Um, mm-hmm. But I do, I do think mm. there's some value in considering the question of what happens when what we have typically prioritized has become uh, limited in its resources, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, there's just not yeah. enough heroic deeds uh, available for us to do. <laughs> right. anymore yeah so yeah um no and right there i mean it's it's um and that kind of breaks into like when you think of like the fatherlessness and the marriage cycle and the um you know and how that because yeah men especially i think when you look at fathers i think maybe that's where he's putting some of the energy in because i do think men still are very needed to be dads mm-hmm. you know and teaching your the next generation of men of how to be men you know not to be ashamed of being a man you know, and, um, that's so needed. Like we just need that. It's not, it's not a sin to be a boy. You know, it really isn't. You don't have to apologize for being a boy. You don't have to apologize for wanting to stand up for yourself to be assertive, have those traits. And I can tell you the number of women that I hear clinically that they find that so rewarding about men. They don't want that to change. These are very, again, progressive women. They're not conservatives. They, one of the things they find comforting in a lot of guys is like when they, when we have conflict, We'll cut your arm off, but we're we're done with the conflict the next day. We're like, okay, come on, let's go back to work. Okay. Um, which is very refreshing for them because they're so used to the cat fights, you know, <laughs> just like the the reputation slandering or whatnot that goes on with women fights. They're like, you know, I kind of like that. It's it's somewhat they they like being told just what's what's up and moving on. And yeah. anyway, yeah, it's uh, there's a compatibility there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. <clears throat> well, jumping ahead to the next chapter, mm. and we we probably covered more of this last time. We already got into the father's catch twenty two, which is um, yeah, you know, you mentioned that that really comes up in this chapter. The idea of, mm. um, that the traits we learn to be successful at work mm. work against us in our home life, um, and. But he he brought up a statistic at the beginning of that that I thought was interesting. He said sixty nine percent of divorces are initiated by women. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, um, have you? Yeah, seen it's that higher now. It's just probably about seven higher. Yeah, it's even higher now. So that was done about seven years ago. It's yeah, I would say it's much. I would say it's probably wow. more like seventy three, seventy four. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, that that and spoke. It, yeah, that was big. Um, and it's true of those who are, especially true of those who are educated. Mm. Which which indicates right that they're probably uh, working and making more than their spouse, and therefore the likelihood of them having esteem for their husband is lowered mm. because the one of the ways they esteem them is being is like I'm married to a successful man who's successful, but I'm actually more successful than him. So you lose respect. Mm. She loses respect for her husband, and he talks about the need to for them to actually recognize that a stay-at-home dad would be valuable. Again, I think, man, some of that is just instinctually ingrained and going to be working against um, a lot. And I, I'm not suggesting that women can never make more than men. And there's always, there's always um, circumstances that mm-hmm. that might require that um, for, for seasons or, or 
for life. You know, like imagine a, a husband gets injured or something like that and he has to stay home and, you know, be taken care of. That's that's different. But I think the hmm. the general pattern of the man being the provider and the uh, protector, it's just not going to go away because you tell us to, <laughs> to, to think of other ways to, to find mm-hmm. our, um, yeah. you know, to, to evolve into a new instinct. Um, and I think there's, there's, it's just, there's just a lot of wisdom in, in taking those instincts seriously and, mm-hmm. and considering a spouse based upon that, right. Based mm-hmm. upon, uh, who you want to be and how, how you want to, um, live. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of rambling, but I just, I mean, I, I think I would probably challenge that a little bit. I don't want to focus too much Please on do. money. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't see money as the means of being a provider or not a provider. I, I think that's actually one of the reasons why men can be like, that's the bad side of men. I'm not going to use toxic masculinity. I'm not going to say that, but I think, men who value who see everything in the categories of money can be very selfish you know and go down bad roads and they can be very neglectful um and yet they're telling themselves oh i'm providing and i think the same way like if women only see it according to maybe what we should do what what i would challenge is maybe we should stop looking at money equals provision um and so that's right so I, i i have met very manly strong men who probably make like $50,000 a year, but they're married to women who make over 200. Um, And man, they value, they have a great marriage. I mean, it's an excellent marriage. And I think it has more to do with, she lets him provide in ways that um, no one else could in a masculine way. Like, I mean, yeah, in a very, and she really accepts his influence, you know, especially if there's things that works because don't not forget, like women do have different temptations. They end up being way too empathetic. Most women will even say that their empathy sometimes can blind them. Men, they're um, and they have different problems, you know, with their with seeing things in black and white way. Um, so th- sometimes they have a harder time accepting influence. So men have a harder time once they get something in their head. They're they're kind of stubborn, you know. So with women, sometimes they could be leading by empathy. So in those relationships, if she can be like, look. Um, I really kind of feel taken advantage of. Um, he is very good. I'm thinking of this one particular case where he just really helped her put up good boundaries with this person and be very assertive. Um, and Jordan Peterson, Tom sucks like that talks a lot about that. He often has these trainings that he gives to women who don't make a lot of money, mainly because they don't know how to be assertive at the workplace. And the minute they're assertive, I mean, their, their income skyrockets. So but I would even say it's okay to say assertiveness is maybe a masculine trait and that's okay. And there are feminine traits and that's without sounding like, I think that some of those can cross over, I guess, but um, not well, yeah, that. that you got what I'm saying. Yeah. But that, that is part of what um, mm. Jordan Peterson would, would argue, right. Is that it, yeah. you have to act like a man to start getting more uh, to, to, to get more success at work. I mean, I, I don't know that yeah. he would put it quite like that, but that's well, yeah, it's, how I conversation it. with uh, Kathy Newman or whatever. I think it was, was it Newman? Yeah. The, how he basically, one of the things that spoke, I think that know, was sparked him to fame. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I, I think I agree. I, I, I appreciate what you said. I don't have any issue with that. Um, the idea of providing in different ways than just thinking about mm. it financially and, um, 
and that being something that a that a woman can can certainly respect yeah. and and appreciate. So <clears throat> I like that. But I guess uh, he he does get in, and this is where maybe I'm I'm more interested in pushing back. He does talk about in this chapter this um, I'm trying to find it in the book so I can read it directly. But he's he gives five conditions for a successful oh. full-time dad. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Um, um, I think it's on you, page 76. Um, I don't mind reading it if you there want. There it is. So these yep, are the I just conditions. found it. Oh, you did. Oh, unless you wanted to bring go it up. So, go ahead. Yeah. Well, it says like the, the dad is internally secure. Number one, number two, dad understands and articulates to the mom, the nature of his value to the children. Uh, number three, the mom fully values his stay-at-home dad role and never shames him for earning less. Number four, um, the mom finds enormous purpose in her career and also carves out time for the children. And number five, the mom does not feel resentful of the children's deeper connection to the dad. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, I don't know if I really pushed back as much as like it seems incomplete. Um, I'd love to hear you, you talk to me about well, it's just yeah. those last two specifically. I mean, I think if a, if a dad can can also be successful at work and come home and, you know, um, if he carves out time for the children, that's that's a great arrangement, you know, yeah. the mom. So if the mom's doing that, of course, that that makes sense. But then the mom does not feel resentful of the children's deeper connection to the dad. Again, I think you're going to be working against some extremely strong maternal instincts to suggest that she is not going to feel some type of jealousy or frustration over the the children's spot on yeah inclination right. to be more attached to the caregiver right, right? whoever and so huh. the dad's the one staying home so that part i think creates yeah. a challenge that you have to at least consider i'm not saying it's you know, it's always sinful or something like that, but I just think I like that. Yeah. That's a good catch. Um, no, uh, I, I, yeah, that's, that's a, cause that is kind of like rooted in biology. It's not, I, I like what you're going there because it's, cause there is a, there's a point I, I think with people, they, they, they have this ideal in their mind that I'm supposed to just be this. You're right. Cause like a mother, if she gets to the point where she's just so platonic about, Oh, the kids are just attached and she's, I get what you're doing because like there are dads that could do that really well. They, they kind of separate. We, we do that really well. We're, we're very good at compartmentalizing. I think there's a, there's an Apple series called severance. It kind of, yeah. The whole premise is really like good. home life and <laughs> home life and work life are two radically different things. And they don't even cross over and he has no idea what's, what, what, what goes yeah. on in the other. That yeah. is the male brain to a T and yeah. we do that really well. I would actually even say that's a strength. I think that's why men do really well in war. All right, guys, he's dead. We got to go, yeah. you know, come on, yeah. let's do it. Now, does that mean we don't have pain? No, but we do that well. And that, I'm not even saying that's a trait that's good or bad. It's just observational. Right. And so, yeah, you're right. I love where you're going with that because it's like, that's just an observational trait. I, I'm not going to put good or bad qualities to it. If you're going to somehow say it's quote good, if the woman gets to that point, I wouldn't go there. I would feel like that's not a good place for her to be there if she could just see the world that way, right. because that's got to really work against her nature. Yeah. Um, any more than like a, a a guy, I don't know, becoming so overly empathetic and listen mothering is, yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm not talking about men who are a little bit more soft and casual. Like I, I'm real careful with that. That's my problem with a lot of like, the uber conservative movement yeah. in the church, like this is how men talk. And it's like, no, 
it's okay to cry. It's okay to like it is. I tell my son, I don't care, buddy. I don't mind if you cry, but you get your butt in there. In fact, I'm more proud of you if you cry and you try than if you cry and quit. Then, you know, sure. I, I mean, yeah, if you cry and you keep going, like when he does jujitsu, I'm even more proud of you. Then if but you, if you yeah, try so, with, if you try without crying, then you're like heroic. No, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I actually put that at the top. I think if you cry and you use it, you so badly want to quit and you, you go, I almost see that that's, that's the, for me personally, that's like the apogee. It's like, that's courage. Cause yeah. it's like, no, that's good. Anyway, that's good. but I'm right there with, yeah, that's a good catch. Cause I don't, I don't know if that's a healthy, you know what I mean? Like a, yeah. like a desire, but he's putting it as if we, that's, that's our, final goal i think again he's trying to say something Mm -hmm. has to be done because these men um everything's working against them to be the breadwinner to be the one that's more successful Mm -hmm. and and whatnot than the than their spouse especially with those who are the ones that are coming out with college degrees the ones who are getting them the higher paying jobs uh it's it's consistently moving in the direction of of um of women getting those roles now at the end of the day, they may still not be willing to put as much time and effort as is required to be like the CEO of the company. And again, we can, we talked about that last time that 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 requires more sacrifice than most people, regardless of gender, are willing to make. But the ones who will sacrifice everything for a successful career tends to be the man. Um, so you know mm-hmm. that may not change in terms of the CEO positions. But if you just look across the board at who's making more money generally in, in equal in fields where there's equal opportunity, it ends up being um, women are taking, are, are continually increasing in that department. So all, all that to say, he's trying to say if women, if men are going to be stay at home dads, regardless, hmm. let's help them. Let's help that family learn. You how better to adapt. Cope yeah. Going back yeah. to where it was. Yeah. You better adapt to something. And I, yeah. And I like this struggle though. I think it's good. It just needs a lot more. Um, I do. I yeah, think so too. It needs a I lot think of discipline it, there. It's, yeah. I think what you said actually Plus adds more. a lot that he didn't say, which would hmm. be helpful is if he had said something along the lines of the man still needs to provide <clears throat> or, mm. or like specifically fill that role of protector provider. He's just mm. not doing it with a paycheck. He's not <laughs> doing it with the exact same, you know, um, that he would have 20 years ago. Like it's, it's yeah. Crazy. And I, I, that's my kind of interpretation of Proverbs 31. Honestly, you can, well, at least yeah. hardcore conservatives are going to have a very, very, very difficult time proving from Proverbs 31 that the woman was making less than the man in that text. They're not going to find it like yeah. it is significantly more. You're going to have a lot more evidence that she was probably making all the income. And he was like, well, the only time they mentioned him is like he hangs out with the guys and he's like an elder just hanging out with the gates, just hanging out with a bunch of guys having a beer. I mean, that's kind no. of right. but that, not but, quite, but, not quite. But, I mean, it's well, more being no. at the gate tends to yeah. be a role for the leadership that's true. of that's the true. city. So he was about as high as you that's get true. in terms okay. of. Yeah, you know, kind of its position. Uh, yeah. Okay. Probably even would indicate class as well. Oh, so okay. that so doesn't like, necessarily. Yeah, pastor, I wanted you to. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, that doesn't but, necessarily mean he was bringing home more money, but he probably had more money, or hmm. at least was pro- was providing in some way um, to, yeah, to be able think, to sit at the gate. Yeah. 
I think, right. yeah, and I think my point, like you're probably, like, I think we could probably go more in depth than like, yeah, yeah. actually what okay. high class really means. Like, mm-hmm. I understand there's a that. I guess you really can't prove either or as if it's 100%. There's a yeah. lot of flexibility and all, it almost seems on the surface that she's she's working your butt off and she's making a exactly. lot and she's doing everything. So, yeah, and I think that's why. But it's that like, is a chapter that I point to when someone has the impression mm-hmm. that women cannot work at all, you know, and you yeah. get that occasionally where a man sure. is like, I don't want my wife to work ever. And you're like, well, don't mm-hmm. don't take it so far that you think it's a <laughs> sin for her to be working. And then you... I mean, you're not going to get along with a lot of people. <laughs> if that's if that's your thought, you're going to think everyone's mm. in sin. But all that to say, um, you know, it, Proverbs 31 makes it clear that she was working outside of the home. You know, she wasn't just working in the home, which yeah. also yeah. should be acknowledged as being mm. um, a, a lot of responsibility. So <clears throat> I'm ready to move on to the last chapter. Yeah, yeah, I might absolutely. get done a little early, but um, this one was was chapter 11. Hmm. raising sons successfully differs Hmm. and um actually there's two chapters so chapter 11 was really short the only thing i really took away from that was i do want to um going on that whole thing i mean because i wrote this down because he wrote something on 82 women who have the he's talking about the the future he keeps talking about like almost like he's creating this ideal world in some ways like not necessarily utopia but kind of helping us get there i suppose and so he said, the future is not role mate versus soulmate, but role mate and soulmate. In other words, it's like yeah. you're you're going to be the role and you're going to help her. You're going to be secure in your emotions and everything else. And he says this, women who have the option of being economically self-sustaining will increasingly want your son to also have emotional and relationship intelligence. So I push back on that because I'm like, OK, is that going to somehow prove the, to be the answer if that were really mm-hmm. the case? And how would you ever know you got there? I mean, and so. I guess that's kind of where, where I push back on what he's saying. Cause it's like, I think there are a lot deeper things to just, just say, okay, when that happens, somehow these marriages will be better. Cause he gives some examples of women having affairs and not that he justifies them, but it's almost as if the, those things happen because he wasn't quote emotionally available. You have to be careful of that because there's a number of reasons why somebody has an affair. It could be that he's emotionally available. It could be that she's terrified of having a relationship and she sees this as a way out rather than dealing with it head on. You know, there's a number of reasons. So I always kind of push back whenever people say, if we come to this place, we've somehow more enlightened as a society. Um, But that being said, one thing I did really appreciate what he said is the whole sense of purpose. Because, man, he I like what he said this. He just he said, um, you know. Your son is feeling a purpose void, but he's really un- unable to articulate what it is. And he sees that he has all the power and privilege and is a reason why men, women were held back. Um, but what does he do with those choices? He just plays video games. There's a security void. There's an economic void. There's an education void. There's a purpose void. Like there's a void in all three of those economically, educationally, and purpose. All men are declining significantly. So you can't say that we're in this. I'm so glad he validated that because my problem with the hardcore feminists, they'll never, ever admit women are doing actually a lot better. In fact, they're doing right now a lot better than men, a whole lot better. And that's just a, that's just a fact, according to, you know, when we study the, you know, not across the board, but in America where we are economically, more women are entering college and a lot more women have a much more sense of purpose. He talks about, so one, you know, fathers, missing fathers, I, I can't tell you the amount of damage it must do. It does. I've seen it tearing up a man inside 
uh, who can't see his children, but maybe every other weekend. And that's across the board, almost every, so the courts hundred percent favor women. I mean, I've seen, I've been on, I've seen cases where she was literally verbally embarrassed. She was psychological, physical, and even emotional abuse. And she got 50% custody. It's insane. Wow. And almost, a, and men will always lose on the custody battle. And so what that does to their sense of purpose, you just can't admit. And I, I'm glad he acknowledged that. Like there are significant voids. So anyway, those are just two things I, that I wanted to point out. Number one, how do you know that just because he's emotionally available, somehow things are all going to get better. Number two, the, I, you know, appreciating that those, those were acknowledged. I didn't know what you wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another, another section. So, I mean, I appreciate what you're saying, saying there just in, in, um, I don't know if you were ahead, what page were you on when you're looking at that? Oh yeah. That was just 82. And then it went back to a previous chapter. Yeah. So a couple pages later, um, on page 80, 85, he talks about the, he gives a couple of he, he says, what then could Trish and Aiden do to allow each other and in the future their child to to create carefully considered options rather than reflexive roles? Mm. And he's trying to say, like, basically the ways in which we parent our kids, uh, we are training them up to still have those same old, old instincts. And we yeah. need to broaden them, which I, you know, again, we've already pushed back enough on that. But um uh, here's one that I just thought was super naive. <laughs> he said, so you ex- explore all the options, right? Trish is asking Aiden or Aiden speaking up about his desires could expand Trish's um, mom options, her three options to six. For example, Trish and Aiden can both work part-time. One can work full-time, the other part-time. They can rotate roles where Trish can be the parent full-time for the first year, then Aiden can be the second year. Okay, those are options. Then this third one, raising children with different expectations. Trish and Aiden, if they have a son, they can proactively raise him to take responsibility for younger children and then recommend him as a babysitter. Hmm. Now, like, I don't, no one is going to, to listen to that. You could, you could say he's the most caring, loving, nurturing son. Hmm. He'll take care of your kids. You're not going (laughs) to have a friend that's going to say, sure, I'll have him as uh, our babysitter. Um, So I think there's Hmm. some, some almost just a naive, like closing himself off to the potential dangers that are happening in the world as well right now. I mean, I, I don't know. What do you, do you, does that? Yeah, that takes a lot. I mean, the first thing I kind of thought of, yeah, the first thing I thought of was the Joseph versus Esau narrative. I mean, Joseph, um, or not Joseph. Yeah. Joseph, like he, he was a, no, Jacob, Jacob, Jacob and Esau. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Jacob and Esau narrative where he, he was a mommy's boy, you know, in a lot of ways <laughs> he stayed at home and all those other, at the same time, he also wrestled God and quote one. So, I mean, yeah, you can't, yeah. It's yeah. so complex He's here. The right? heroic. I love about He's the yeah, heroic that's, 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 reader. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> he was not a pansy. Like he could whoop my he, butt. He, he knew, he knew how to cook. He, he oh. could get his way around the Gosh, kitchen. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a man's man. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but certainly Esau had his dad's heart he because did. he cooked game and go out and hunt and bring home game. But, but as a therapist, I, I think about that myself because I'm primarily in a, I guess a, what you would call a women's field, I guess in some ways, but I don't see it that way. Yeah. I, I think women just, 
feminists just took over our wonderful field and they, <laughs> they ruined it. Um, and I'm just trying to get it back. The radical feminists, everyone, not the not the good ones. But um, I'm kidding. No, but it, you know, so because I, I mean, it's funny because whatever when what is a woman's role anyway? I guess is that provision versus protection? I guess I would have to look at that. And um, oh yeah, that I. I mean, I look at well, their, yeah, that's, what about for you? Yeah. I, I, no, I, I just, that out. Yeah. I just think it's, <laughs> I, if you're going to, you're going to train your boy up and try to, try to um, cut off some of those instincts by saying, Hey, we're going to, we're going to um, send you out as a babysitter to all of our friends that, that mm. your son's not going to have a job basically is what that means. Your son's not going to get hired by people uh, who, who recognize the, the dangers um, in having a, a male babysitter in their home. Like that's, it's just typical. Like no one does that. That We, we were just watching a mm. comedian talking about this and he was like, it's not sexist to, to, you know, to only hire, uh, female babysitters. It's, it's wise. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I, I yeah. mean, I think I probably, yeah. Father, I mean, yeah. I, I never had a male babysitter in our, in our home, unless mm. it was, you know, um, like grandpa, but that would just, that was it. Yeah. So I don't know. I just think you have, there's a recognition that those dangers have, are, are going to still be there. And I, not that there's anything to do that. It just was a, a unhelpful, um, mm-hmm comment i think you know you can still raise yeah. your son to have a better emotional intelligence without trying to train them to be a babysitter right like <laughs> yeah and i guess i want to flesh that out a little bit too because there are certain countries where the majority of men are they sew you know um and the majority okay. yeah and so that's i think it is it's russia yeah russia there's a lot of men that do so the, the whole concept of like I think the leftists get it wrong because they think gender is always a social construct. And I think, I know I'm being so middle of the road here to like the, I just came from that conservative camp too. And they, they seem to say, okay, this is man's work. This is women's work. This is man's work. This is women's work. And it never really fit very well for the variety of cultures and, and the quote different, I guess, diverse I can, places I, in scripture that seem to challenge that. So, so I guess I maybe what we should start, that- yeah, I could get behind the idea that culturally those those roles are going to look different, but you still yeah. you're not going to flush find... it out. Definitely not disagreeing. I'm just more like, huh? How do we play with that? Because I'm trying to get away from gender is any kind of social construct. But is there a social construct for certain gender roles? I I kind of take the view with gender roles maybe a little bit, but I will never. I think the error comes when you completely hijacked biology and the differences in men, men and women yes. that are just ingrained in our, so do we start there and then go down? I, that's where well, I'm, I'm just, you know, out. just yeah. being frank huh. about this, like if you but you're right, I young, probably wouldn't have a male babysitter. Well, if you've got a young, <laughs> if you've got young children at home, yeah. what, what is the I likelihood agree. for a male to be abusive yeah. to that child than a female? It's, it's, I agree. Yeah. Ridiculous. I, I, like, agree. I don't know. 90, 95 plus percent yeah. more likely for the male to be abusive. So, I just, that's all. But it I would, it would have been cool to have like Rambo as my babysitter when I was a kid. He was just like sitting there no, and smoking. That, <laughs> you know, so you can still do that. You just have to. I agree with you. I, I 100% agree with you on babysitting. I, I think that's a, that's a tall, 
yeah, it's like, why do you want anyway? Um, and there are other options. I mean, there's youth group and there's like watching. It doesn't mean like you can't watch kids at times. I don't know. Um, yeah, again, even that, even that you have, I mean, like churches have to be extremely careful that men are not the true. only one in the room, that's right? True. Like the, yeah. um, they can get in trouble if it, like they haven't, they don't yeah. have multiple people carrying. Mm. And I mean, you would think that would just be the case across the board, but no, it's like, it's not the same level of concern if it's a woman by herself yeah, uh, with agree. kids, but, but and a man. Yeah. And you can't, help. you can't, t- all the medicine you could take doesn't take that away. That instinct, that little, that gut feeling, I think that we're trying to acknowledge. Yeah. It's there. It's there for a reason. You don't have yeah. to deny that. So yeah. Right. At the same time, this is why it makes it so kind of complicated because there are exceptions to rules like men who stay at home, I don't think there's a lot of evidence for men staying at home. Um, I'm right there with you. I'm like, I, I, I don't like the concept of just a stay at home dad. I, I, I don't, I, I think he's going to be a lot more prone to depression. Men are just so physical. Little boys learn primarily through physicality and just, you know, that I, I have to, you know, um, but I think I would challenge the money equals provision part, but yes. yeah, yeah, keep going. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And I, yeah. and I agree with that. And I, but I would just say that those who I know that I don't know too many, hmm. uh, that would even fall into that category. Like honestly, less than a, less than a handful, but yeah. it's not a healthy relationship. In most cases it ended, you know, right. it wasn't like, it didn't end well for the marriage. So, um, well, and, if I can elaborate on that too, I think the reason why it's not healthy is because we are so limiting in our mental capacity. Like my wife, when she stays at home, she goes deep in so many ways that I just can't. Like I'm the fun. I mean, I, I, I discipline my kids, but I'm also fun and I'm like activity. Okay, let's go. And I like, you know, we, we, we work really well together. I'm, I'm assuming your marriage is the same way. It's just like, but the way she like she homeschools our kids, she just brings things that I just don't. My mind doesn't even go there. Right. And I think like the stay at home dad, I guess my question is. Like, where do you go with that silence, I guess, because men are we are so prone to take risks. I think taking risks is so integral to our our makeup. I think those are the strongest men for me are men that are willing to confront their internal demons and take the risk. That's why I said earlier, it's like, I'm proud of you. If you cry and you keep going, it's like, there's, that's the act of right. bravery. Like real bravery is not the stoic man. It's the man that's terrified. Like the red badge of courage, you know, he's almost like a coward, the whole book. And then all of a sudden he's like, no, I'm going in. That's a, that's a, that's a, I love that yeah. book. Cause it's really the psychology of um, what a lot of men go through. So it's, I, I like this conversation. Cause it's like, we're not, yeah, we're just kind of, playing around with it, I guess. But I mean, I, I'm right there with you. It's like, I would want to ask a lot of follow-up questions. How long? Because the, the few stay-at-home men that I've I've met, there seems to be such a limitation whenever I say, okay, well, how are you going to make more money? And it's like, uh, not really looking. And okay. Are you, I'm not wor- you know? worried about that. Yeah. We, I know what you're taking. And, and what yeah. they end up doing, honestly, they're not staying home and taking care of the family. They're staying home and they're playing video games or they're watching in something in, you know, they're watching YouTube all day. Like that, that's just the reality. Like the statistics show stay at home men are not mm. stay at home dads. They're stay at home mm. gamers. Uh, mm. They're, they're just literally wasting their life. Yeah. So I think because we're just so simple, like, yeah. And I, 
after like spending a lot of conversations with my kids, I turn on the Xbox. <laughs> you know, I just like really do, which is so glad I'm not a stay-at-home dad because I'm not going to see it like exactly. after 45 minutes of like, okay, our conversations are done. And I'm a therapist. This is so crazy. I This is what I do for a living because after 45 minutes, I'm turning on the Xbox and wondering if, if I could, you know, play my Elden Ring or something. I mean, I read a lot and all this other stuff, but you're right. Yes. Like I, I could, if I think if I was a stay-at-home dad, didn't work as much as I did, I probably would be seeing where the hey well you, you know you could stream gamer. hey you could make lots of money streaming if you get at least right i know <laughs> there you go what are they what is that streaming? that's a confession a whole... i just made a confession on this podcast hey, yeah Peter. there are people who've made careers out of just videoing their gaming experience and commenting as they're playing like, exactly yeah i, I yeah. just i like i guess you know, so it's yeah. what is it, dude? Perfect that makes a living just playing uh, competitive right. sports and and little it's, doing gosh. little uh, trick shots. Like, yeah, it's incredible if you can make a living <laughs> doing it. Uh, I mean, I know I know they put a lot of work in, and they're I'm sure they're very good businessmen and marketers and all that. Oh, that's just brilliant. That's stuff. like that's yeah, yeah, that's just awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah. Talk about so I can res- I can respect yeah. that. Right. But it's the gamer who doesn't make anything, right? And, and that's typically what happens. The YouTuber who doesn't make anything. Um, you know, the podcaster who doesn't yeah. make anything. Like that's the vast majority. It's just like every pyramid scheme. If you're at the bottom of it, you don't make anything. And most people I don't know are if, the bottom. Yeah, right there. Really. I, I wanted to show the people, everyone. Um, so this is a picture. And I don't know if you can see <laughs> it, but um, it basically just says um, du- dutycalls.com. We scoop poop. And he gives this phone oh. number. That's the, Okay. <laughs> So that's awesome. He picks up dog shit everywhere. So, so what I gained, I didn't know who this guy was and I'm right behind him. And I, I gained so much respect for this guy. It's so interesting. I, mm-hmm. I was thinking about posting. I mean, I didn't get his license plate cause I didn't want to post that on social media, but media, but I, the reason yeah. I gained so much respect, that's, this is, that's a true man. That's I don't know cool. what his wife does. I could say right now, I mean, but he's out there. He's picking up crap. He's making money, and he's like, yeah. "That is that's awesome." Like, I want to meet a, this guy. It's a brilliant. That's what, it's, uh, that's what I mean. Name. Like, I mean, and it's like the dirty jobs, micro. The dirty jobs. I mean, I, I love those guys. You know, and it's, I, I understand that's not just manly work or whatnot. But I think that's what I mean by like taking risks. You know, and leading your church or you know bringing your company to it a different direction. I mean, it's just, it's great. It's not that women can't do that, but you got to find some purpose in, in pushing the boundaries a little bit and, you know, being assertive, whatever field you're in, you know, and I love that. Like who would have ever thought, and I'm sure he makes really good money. People call him and he just, he'll clean up your dog crap. Yeah. You know, and that that's anyway, I don't know what that, I know we I have like to it. go. Okay. No, <laughs> yeah, we can, we, I just, I think we could wrap it up with uh, just two points I wanted to make. Yeah, it was one, right. one he, he, I think it was helpful in this last chapter, chapter 12, mm. where he says that dad's assurance of, of love when goals go unmet, um, you know, basically oh, that, right. that love is not conditioned upon success. That's yeah. huge. I think for a boy to yeah. see his dad loving him, even when his team loses, even when he, doesn't get first place right like mm. just showing up at the game man i can't tell you how i was i was athletic and played sports mm. and um i was envious of those who had uh dad at every at every sport i love the picture uh when mm. you ever 
you know, Brock Purdy, I'm a 49er fan. So Brock Purdy has come in. I'm rooting for the man. Yeah, I'm rookie. awesome. He's, yeah, he's I know exactly so who great, it is. Yeah. Yeah, when he was playing that first game, the first game there where he started and his dad was up in the stands and getting choked up watching his son play so well, Gosh. that was that was beautiful. And it was a good example. And again, that's the kind of tears that you want to see, right? I mean, I would yeah. say that someone like Candace Owens isn't going to look at that and go, that's uh, that's, that's ugly yeah, or something, right? right? No, there's there's a, a version of, of mm. getting choked up where you're like, man, he loves his son. He's absolutely mm. like just mm. enjoying this moment to the full. And um, I, I think I, 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 I'm actually important. really rooting for the 49ers. Uh, I, I never thought good. I would say this. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I mean, it's I exciting. really want the Bengals to win too. Cause I'm, I've always kind of liked the Bengals are kind of like the lovable Cubs, you know, and, but I think I would be ecstatic if the 49ers won. I hope the 49ers yeah. and the Bengals are in the Super Bowl Cause then you're like, I disappointed. Too. Well, anyway. I kind of want to see the Niners and the chiefs get a rematch and then the Niners win. Because oh, you know, yeah, but oh, yeah. they lost the last time in the Super Bowl. But I, I wouldn't mind. The Bengals are are fun to watch too. And um, mm. Burroughs, Burroughs is just the opposite. Like he's he's so cocky. He's all about himself. And then you got Brock Purdy, who's this rookie who no one expected to do anything, and he's he's you know maintaining his humility and and just a, a good all around uh, guy. So. Yeah. But anyway, it's just that mm. I was going to just point out the whole idea of being there as a dad for your son, um, yeah. showing up to the game is so crucial. There was a clip as well that was kind of went viral mm. um, probably a month ago or something where this girl uh, is looking around like she's up on stage with her with her classmates and she's just looking around. And she starts to get like really nervous because she can't find her parents and she's worried. And then she mm. notices them. Uh, and she gets so excited and immediately starts bawling. Like, like it was just like such a relief that they were there and that they were excited mm. for her. And she couldn't even pull it together to like participate in what the, what the class was doing because she was so excited. Just the whole, yeah, yeah the image of that. And you can watch those videos and mm. they're just, they get you choked up because you think of the same kind of, how would I respond in that situation? It's, it makes you realize how, how important it is to be there regardless of the outcome. Right? It also challenges the man that, you know, the, um, you know, yeah. I sometimes watch shark tank, the uh, who's the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Um, can I remember anyway, Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban. Yeah. You know, and he said, do you, what do you do with your wife? You know? And he's like, I'm on my fifth. And what do they have to realize or something uh, like that? It was like, cause I come first and money comes first and you, you put that ahead of everything. It totally destroys that perspective. That's so so bad for men. And men could fall yeah. into that because what really what a true man is. That's why I always get away from like profit equals. That's anyway. So a true man is like I am secure in my presence with my little boy, and I'm going to mm. sit there with him. You know, and that and, man, that's awesome. That's just awesome. Keller Keller talks mm. about that. I've never never met a man mm. on his deathbed who, if he had regrets, it wasn't. It, it yeah. was like I wish I had worked more. I wish I had put more hours in at work. Mm. Um, it's always the, op- it's always, I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. Gosh. I wish I'd invested more in my marriage. And that's a word for, yeah, it's a word for me. Yeah. It's a, it's it's a word for all of us. Yeah. Anyway. Well, Anyways, is, man, well, good. it was a good one. <sighs> I have to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's been too long. Anyway. Thanks yeah. everyone for listening. Um, At least you stopped yawning about ten minutes into this episode. So that's, sorry, yeah. Well, that's uh, I've been doing inter I've been doing intermittent fasting. So um, 
I've been doing oh, it for man. like six, going on five months. Yeah, it's been really good for me. I yeah. bet. I know. Well, not, it would be good to, to see you at some point. Yeah. And uh, see all the transformation that's happened since the last time. Oh, I saw it's amazing. You. Yeah. My, I'm, I'm so gorgeous now. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thanks everyone for listening. <laughs> all right. Let me, uh, let me close it out with our little.